suddenly they're all here. It's the most people for the longest day of the year. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. So there must be. Uh, I just got. I got another email today about another research project or something uh, denying the viability of the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and also about volition. Yes, that uh, the brain. There's a. It's more like an option. The brain goes over through the conditionality and chooses, not chooses, but there's a, something comes up as a, as a behavior. Yeah? And after it comes up as the behavior, there's a little voiceover that there's a sense that you're the one who did it. Yeah? But the fact is, the choice was made way prior to that voice that arises later. Yeah? So if you see that one example, you'll see the whole, uh, one of the main themes of selfing or if you want to call it the ego, or whatever you want to call it. But I like to call it selfing, because it is a movement. There's no thing itself. It's just an appearance of a thing. Yeah? Through the uh, addiction to the selfing. So the selfing's moan, uh, main movement is the claim. Yeah, so it's a perfect example. So they did this test with this other neuroscientist I saw when I lived in Australia, where they had this lady, uh, they just had a clock on a wall with an with a arrow, and they had all these electrodes on, and she's, and they said, well, decide to stop it whenever you want. So sometimes she would say she's going to do it to herself and not, you know, she'd play all the games. But all, all the evidence is the brain lit up way before she thought she made the choice. Yeah? So in a sense, the, act, the action had already uh, been initiated, and an, an afterthought or a byproduct or something trying to run along with that and then claim it is the selfing. Yeah. So the mental process, which I feel, the, the feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is more like the brain's using it as an organizing principle. Yeah. It's sort of like everything. You're now the doer. You're the hearer. You're the feeler. You're the thinker. Yeah, it makes it just makes something that's totally mysterious make some weird sense. Yeah. So here's the selfing. So there was the movement to stop the arrow, and that movement preceded the thought that I'm the one who stopped the arrow. Yeah. And therefore, like in recovery, they talk about conscious contact, but they use it. In, I don't know if they use it in this term, but they. But my sense is what's happening here is conscious contact. Yeah. And it's not you that's in conscious contact, it's consciousness that's in contact, yeah? The sense of you is an afterthought to the consciousness in contact. So consciousness is in contact here, let's say, through this uh, facilitator, the body, yeah? The body has an awareness, the brain is very, very developed, and it can sort of uh, participate in an experience of no-thingness meaning thingness, yeah? So the consciousness moves through this camera and now it, uh, it facilitates it having an experience of a, of a thing, yeah? But obviously no-thing can never have an experience of a thing because it's no-thing, yeah? But through a thing, there can be the, the experience with other things, yeah? Well, this thing... Part of its makeup is a mental process, and that mental process, I like to call selfing, claims to be the one that's conscious. 
In other words, consciousness is now forgotten as a state, as a state. In other words, there's no gate to enter it, and there's no place you get kicked out of it. Consciousness is just a fact, yeah? Awareness is, let's say, the basic uh, denominator, yeah? So, okay, but when the, uh, the conscious contact happens, and then the mental process of selfing says, I'm the one who's doing it, what gets, what gets forget, forgotten and what gets uh, emphasized? Well, the consciousness has to be de-emphasized so that the sense of being you gets emphasized. So in a way, your active remembrance of what you're not has to coincide with a forgetfulness of what is. Yeah? Because if you actually, quote-unquote, remembered what is, the shenanigans of what you're not wouldn't have any play here, really. You would, be, you would be doing like they say in recovery, Rule 62, you wouldn't be taking the self too seriously because it wouldn't be what? You. Yeah. You is the glue. So if you see consciousness, so there's consciousness that's moving, yeah, and so it's seeing, it's hearing, it's feeling, it's tasting, it's touching, and then in Buddhism they talk, they, they, uh, talk about the mind as a sense, and it's seeing thoughts, like the eye would see a, a bird fly by, yeah? It's much more subtle, but it's still a scene. So the mind is seeing thoughts like this eye would see a bird go by. So they say you have six senses where this consciousness has contact with this place. Yeah, You see, hear, feel, taste, touch, and then there's thinking about it. Yeah. But what would happen if this, this place, you had 30 gates, there would still be enough awareness to go through 30 gates and meet this place in 30 different ways. And if there was a hundred gates, and you met this place with a hundred different ways, you would have the facility of meeting it. Because the awareness isn't a quantity. Yeah? It's a quality. And actually not a quality, it's an infinite quality. Yeah? So that awareness can come through one gate, five gates, six gates, a hundred gates, two hundred gates. Just like there was... At one point, there was five billion people on the planet, and there was consciousness moving through them, you know. Now I think there's 13 billion, there's still enough consciousness to move through them. And if there was 800 billion, there'd still be enough consciousness to move through them. Because it's not a quantity, yeah? You don't match up, all right, you, you have a little bit of consciousness, you have a little bit of consciousness, and you know, we're getting to like the 15th billion person, you're going to have less consciousness. I'm running out of consciousness. Yeah. I'm running out of awareness. So if you're born really late, you're sorry. You know? you know what I mean? No. There's always the infinite supply of awareness. Yeah. Moving through this and having contact with the appearance, the things. Yeah. Just like they've been doing this research where they get to the point, well, an atom, yeah, is made up of 99 point something nine percent of space. All the atom is, is nothing, really. There's two little things that appear, the electron and the neutron, but the whole atom is mostly no thing. Yeah? So, in fact, what's actually real here is no thing, and what is an appearance of no thing is things. Yeah? Yet, when we're identified as a thing, we forget that. And we take this thing to be the Alpha and the Omega. And to a certain point, the mental process in this thing plays God. Yeah? It takes itself to be, it can, it can prophesy what's going to happen to you in the future. 
It can say, I'm going to have cancer three years from now. Or my girlfriend, I know, she's going away next week with some people and she's going to sleep with my best friend next week. You're so sure of it, yeah? This is an insane little mental process playing God. And in recovery, it says, for the people in recovery, one of the major uh, principles of recovery is this thing called the third step, where you turn your will and your life over to the care of a higher power, of your own understanding, yes? It's, it's like the big move in AA, in a sense. But in the book, something precedes that statement. And it says, hey, first, first, got to quit playing God. It doesn't work. And then it goes, next in this drama of life, God will be the director, you'll be his whatever, servants, yeah? So, first is actually more important than next, yeah? Because without the first being seen, then the first... Yeah? The plain God is going to be what decides to turn its will and life over to the care of its own understanding. So you're going to get a God of selfing's own understanding. And I'm telling you, that God is going to be severely limited <laughs> by your understanding. You're going to frame it. Maybe you'll get a parking space next week in front of the meeting or get a date, you know, or have a three-month relationship before it explodes and not flip out at the next recovery picnic. But it's not going to have a radical shift because that power is defined by your understanding. Yeah? And your understanding, if it's been co-opted by selfing, is a very small understanding and there's no God bigger than the God of self. Yeah? Look at it. Who tells you how you're doing with knowing God? Does God or do you? <laughs> right? On the dog shit level, you is it, brother. And the beautiful news is, you ain't. That's the good news. <laughs> it is such a freaking relief. You could get 50 Thai massages and it wouldn't produce the relaxation when you, when you drop the idea of being Paul. I'm telling you. I mean, it's, <laughs> it translates into a nice, long, stable traveling light up here. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you may think you want enlightenment or awakening, but really, you, you would, you'd be just as happy if you just got an ease and comfort in your own skin today. I swear to God. If, if you just felt a certain level of satisfaction, most of your seeking, all the tents would be collapsed. You'd give up the whole search. <laughs> because really, all you want to do is feel somewhat content in a way. I mean, that's, to me, one of the biggest gifts I got out of this whole thing is I've been freed from the need to be liberated. <laughs> that's a hell in and of itself. <laughs> you cannot see, you cannot believe how people twist themselves up with seeking, self-spiritual seeking. Oh, man. It's a very subtle disease. Much alcoholism, alcoholism is very, it's like a big painting with a broad stroke. But there's levels of suffering here that are much more subtle, but they're just as uh, convoluted. They're just as tight. There's just there's another level of pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization where you keep putting what you're looking for outside of yourself. Why? Because really, in the process of selfing, there's a huge drive to be right, and I'm telling you, there's a part of yourself that believes it's right about you. 
I had it when I came into AA. I had done certain things, and I had been convicted, and it was, I mean, it was like an airtight case. I was never going to get released. And no matter how many people said, you know, Paul, I really like you, it would be overridden by this really, I was so sure that I was a fuck-up, you know? There was no way I could be convinced otherwise. Until something happened in all those court cases that I was on either probation, being sentenced, or waiting for sentencing, was brought into a, a, like a court of light and they got annulled and voided. Yeah? Because you know why they were so fucking important? Because they were about me and they're not. Your defects of character are not your defects of character. They're defects of character of a mind that's identified with what it's not. Of course it's going to flip out. Yeah? If you have something that has a huge ability to entertain, it has the ability to entertain nothingness. It has the ability to entertain space. For it to have to be put into the slavery of entertaining how you look for three hours in front of the mirror is like putting a marathon runner in a closet. Yeah? It's going to flip out. And that's what mind's doing. All the neuroses, all the other secondary addictions come from the, the preceding addiction, which is the mind addicted to the idea of being a self. Because it can never have completion. It can never climax. It's never going to be a self. It's inherently something other than that already. Yeah? So all the selfing can do is act like it is a self that it wants to not to unbecome or a, it wants to be a self. So it's either becoming or unbecoming. But those desires are never fulfilled, yeah? When a desire isn't fulfilled, as you know, you start seeking for relief from that desire, yeah? So if some girl that you want to have something with doesn't buy your thing, you maybe put down a pound of Agandas that night. You know? Some other somehow or the other, there's gotta be relief from the thwarted desire. Yeah? What happens if this can never complete? You're never gonna be what you're thinking you are all day. You're never ever gonna be that. You never were it and nor will you ever be it. Yeah? If that's the case, that desire is thwarted all day. What do you think getting loaded was about? I wanted to get out of self. Yeah? I was looking for relief from alcoholism, and my relief from alcoholism I found was drinking and using drugs. And so that spawned its own addiction with its own consequences. So the mental hell became a consequential hell. Now I had two hells going at once. I had the mental hell and selfing, and I had the consequences of spending two years in drug and alcohol programs and going to prisons and jails and getting run over by cars, not once, but twice in one night. I was having a large level of consequences, and I thought the mental hell was bad. Well, it matches pretty good with the consequential hell. And therefore, what do you do? You want to get high from the consequential hell. Now you just keep upping the ante. Yeah. And every addiction, there's not one point where I reached a shot of Coke that I said, thank you, Coke, I've had enough. That was the best shot. And that's it. I'm satiated, and I can walk away from coke. I don't regret it. No, shut the door on it. It's, cocaine was great, but I don't need it anymore. Tell me what addictions ever produced that fulfillment. It just keeps going and going and going. All it is doing is reflecting the first one. The selfing keeps going and going and going. Just like it says in recovery, you got to be convinced of three pertinent ideas, Yeah? And it says, our experiences before and after recovery, point them out. 
you're an alcoholic and you cannot manage your own life. That's the situation. You have the experience. It wasn't because you were drinking and using. It's a fact. Yeah? You're not managerial quality. This is an incredible bit of news because when you give up that ghost, you give up a big chunk of playing God. Yeah? And the fact is, you can't stop playing God because that would be God playing God about stopping playing God. Self can't get out of self. But if you're not that, which is symbolized by the word self, then you are already inherently out of it because you were never in it. That's how you get out of it. You realize you were never in it. Yeah? Just like the only solution to an imaginary problem is to see that it's imaginary. It doesn't matter how many solutions you have to it. If it's imaginary, you just fortify its reality to you by trying out solutions, yes? So, the best way to get out of something is realize you were never in it. And you know how much time that takes? None. Yeah? You don't have to pack up because you were never in it. Yeah? You don't have to get a ticket to get out of it. You were never in it. Yeah? That's the solution. Any... If you start having downloads about the solution or from the solution, one of the qualities that it impresses upon you is timelessness, yeah? No matter how many cars on the train of self-will you've been riding, when it stops, it's like you were never on that train, was it? It just stops like that. It doesn't come, slows up and screeching. Usually it just stops. Suddenly... You're, you seem to be placed in a, in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part, and no time has passed. Yeah. Because the solution is timeless. And the solution, because it's timeless, it's in every moment of time. It's always available at all times because it's not of time. Yeah, That pause that we have in recovery where that whole thing stops and your little selfing freezes. You ever had that? Like I had it when I heard these messages. I'd hear the message and I'd read it, let's say, in a book. And then my conditional mind froze. And what happened is, it, but while it was trying to claim the message it was reading, it froze and then raw mind entertained what was on offer from that statement in the book, or I heard it at a meeting, yeah? Then, that raw mind taking that information, it, it's like an incredible form of knowledge that causes an unspoken yes, where you have the capability of being convinced to believe with certainty. It's a done deal, yeah? Just like in they took surrender is a very big thing, but most people in the identification as self, while playing God, think, all right, I surrendered, but I can take it back. Yeah? I surrendered, but hey, I really want to meet this babe, so I'm going to take it back. Or I'm going to surrender this part of my life, but not my body image or whatever. I'm going to take it back. Yeah? Now, what kind of God is that that you can take it back from? It's like being a big kid with a bag of candy. You give it to a little kid in the playground to hold, and any time you want, you come and grab it. The little kid can't stop you because you're the bigger kid, yeah? So how is it that selfing can surrender and yet take it back? Because it's the bigger God. 
If that's seen, you can live in surrender. It becomes a state. A state, not an experience that's infrequent. Yeah, Not an experience based on circumstances and situations. Not an experience that's based on going to a retreat somewhere and pay $800. No, it's a state. You're living from there now. Yeah, You're living from there. Just like you may not be having experiences of gratitude anymore, but your attitude's infused with gratitude. You have a new way of looking at life, yeah? The mind has shifted. It's shifted out of self-centeredness, and it can't shift out of self-centeredness as a self. That's still self-centeredness. That's what's happening. People are trying to shift out of self-centeredness, and it's just self-centeredness, yeah? It's sort of like trying to get out of self, you have to realize you're the fence post to that ponderosa. Wherever you are, that's selfing. The feeling of being a you, the feeling of being the doer and the thinker, that's an easier one to see. What is it? To, what are you laying in when there's a thought seen? Isn't there a feeling that it's your thought somehow? Or that you did it? That somehow I'm thinking these thoughts? And therefore, after I claim that, my mind now can judge the thoughts. These are good and bad. I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Yes? Because I should be much better than I am. But I can't, I've got to you know, hide those, don't let anyone know I have those thoughts, yeah? You know, it's just amazing what you see, yeah? What would happen if that thought that's held as yours wasn't yours? You travel freaking lighter, yeah? The thought isn't heavy, it's the my is the heaviness. The act of being identified as the thinker of that thought, the sense that it's yours or about you, is the bondage of self. When you ask, please relieve me of the bondage of self, what are you really asking for? You like that head to chill out, wouldn't you? How is that energy being fueled and constantly being refueled? It's the my. When I'm in, when the mind's in a position of being the doer of a thought system, then a thought it's its own. It's that it's my thought, and that thought, instead of having the ability to come and go, which is its nature, it gets sucked around this little gravitational pull of a planet pole. Yeah, now it's your thought. Maybe it has a long orbit. You may not see it for a few years, but it's back usually. And you may be bitching about it, you wish you could get get more space from it, but you're holding it in place. You're assuming it's yours. Yeah? Or it's about you. And I'm telling you, we're incredibly interested in anything that's about us. Yeah? <laughs> I swear, if someone came over, Billy came over my house and started talking about all the things he's worried about that aren't actually happening... I'd be bored in a minute, less. You know, I'd say, Billy, hey, let's go to lunch, and then I'd go a different place. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, yeah, you've been listening to the same thing in your head for 40 years. What's the difference? One's held as yours or about you, and that's held as Billy's. You sort of have an immunity to Billy's. He can be sitting right next to me, and he may be flipping out about next week, but it doesn't leap over to me. I can be very happy right here, yeah? 
But if I had the thought system and it was doing what it was doing in his head and it was held in this head as mine, I'd probably have a similar reaction that he's going through. Yeah? First recognize the dilemma and then maybe you'll have an understanding. Yeah? If you misdiagnose, it doesn't matter how much medicine you take, it's not going to clear up the symptoms because you misdiagnose. Yeah? Obsession with self, I don't believe, is the root of the problem. I think the obsession with self is what the mind that's identified as a self does to keep the identification together. Yeah? Because it's an unnatural wedding. Mind being bonded to the idea of being a self needs to be, glue has to be applied every day. That's what you think the thought system is doing. You're having like 70,000 thoughts a day. Are they about your job? <laughs> about doing your job? Probably not. I'm a house painter. I may need like 15 for the whole day. <laughs> Most rooms I walk in have four walls and a ceiling. I'm not usually very surprised. <laughs> what are the 60,000 something other thoughts doing all day? They're reinforcing an idea. The idea that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? That you're the doer, you're the chooser, you're the haver, you're the mover and the shaker. Yeah? Things could be different. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah? It's gonna, it was great once before and it'll be great maybe. No, it's probably gonna suck later. Yeah? This is what it does. It plays in a, like a field of time and it fixates on you as a body somewhere else at some other time. And what does it do? You, uh, one thought goes to it, other thoughts go to it. And then there's a swarm around you being fucked like three months from now. <laughs> and yet, the act of fuck is right now. You're not feeling what's going to happen to you three months from now. You're reacting to thoughts about it now. You don't think that's playing God? That something in your head can dismiss you from the conscious contact that's going on right now and suck you up the ass itself and put you somewhere else at some other time. You don't think that's playing God? And then someone has an immunity to, the other person does it. If you ask them how they are, you may learn a lot. Because I bet you, if someone has an immunity to it, they're not taking the thoughts to be theirs. And they're not taking what the thoughts are about to be them. Yeah? At least maybe they're entertaining that possibility. And you know what? They're getting relief from the bondage of self. Yeah? And that relief can turn into a state where instead of having the, the baseline of irritability, restlessness, 